Hello, this is Marissa Schaefer, and this is Dancewell Podcast. Today, I have Ellen Waller on the phone from Chicago. Welcome, Ellen. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Uh, so Ellen is, has dedicated her life to Irish dance. As a longtime competitive and professional Irish dancer, her talent has led her to perform for thousands across the globe and compete numerous years at the World Championship of Irish Dance. Later, as a certified Irish dance instructor, she recognized the unique physical and mental challenges encountered by both elite and young Irish dancers alike. Armed with a bachelor's degree in Irish dance education and a master's of science in exercise science, Ellen developed the Target Training Program, an innovative series of courses and training methods that condition the specific muscles needed in Irish dance. Um, and I'm super looking forward to speaking with Ellen today about Irish dance because I know relatively nothing about this particular genre of <laughs> dance. <laughs> and in fact, all I know is what Ellen taught me when we first spoke on the phone just two weeks ago. So I'm very glad to be giving Irish dance a voice on Dance Well. And I think this episode is going to be awesome for Irish dancers who want to learn more about maintaining optimal physical health for the, and also for the healthcare professional um, who has a brand new Irish dancing patient and is furiously YouTubing, trying to get a sense of what it means to be an Irish dancer. So um, again, thank you for joining us. Um, and so what we're going to talk, to talk about today is first, uh, what makes Irish dancing different than other forms of Western and American dancing. And then we'll talk to Ellen a little bit about coaching for Irish dancers and end with long-term benefits of cross-training for this community. So here we go. You ready? Absolutely. Great. Um, so I wanted to start by asking you, um, what are the most important technical differences between Irish dancing and the more classical forms of American dancing? Yeah, so I think a lot of people, when they think of Irish dancing, they think of, you know, their commercial dance shows like Riverdance and mm -hmm. how you have a line of dancers all moving their feet very fast. And that is absolutely what we do. But what is happening on a day-to-day -day basis is your solo dancing and your team dancing um, that, you know, can appear a little more athletic than that, that the dancers are, um, you know, they're jumping around the stage, moving very quickly, limited upper body movement, especially in their solo dancing. We see a little bit of upper body movement and team or performance dancing, um, but you know, otherwise the arms are in tight, the back is straight, the core is strong. Um, we have a lot of extension to the front. So the legs really only come to the front. We don't ever really put them behind us and very limited movements, do we? Um, and then the other thing is that there really are two different kinds of Irish dancing with the soft shoes, which are like a ballet slipper, but they lace up and sometimes people will see them you know, with long laces, lacing up to their knees. We just tie them around our ankles. And then also the hard shoe, which is most commonly referred to as like a tap shoe. But the big difference there is that it's a leather shoe. Um, and then the tips and heels are both made out of fiberglass. So we've got about a three, like half an inch to three quarter tip of fiberglass. So it'll push your toes up a little bit. And then in the back, you've got a pretty solid heel that's about an inch and a half. And so that's the rhythmic type of Irish dance you see. So you've got the rhythmic hard shoes, and then you've got the, both of them are very athletic, but the very athletic, graceful, soft shoe. Um, so you'll see those two different types. Along with that also comes, um, 
the the extreme technical aspect of Irish dancing that we want that super overcrossed. We want way turned out. We want their legs straight. Um, and so those are kind of the elements that we start seeing a little bit of issues with um, injuries coming into play or overuse injuries. Um, so just to go back to the soft shoe and the hard shoe, mm -hmm. um, I mean, we see that in kind of in, in ballet too, right? With the soft slipper and then the point shoe. Um, mm -hmm. Is the basis of the Irish dancing uh, the same for those two types? Or, or I should say like with the you talked about having limited upper body movement and mostly movement of the legs to the front. Um, do you mm -hmm. see those that's those same elements of technique with soft and hard shoe? Very similar. So it's a very similar style. Um, the difference is with your soft shoe, you're constantly off the floor. So you're mm -hmm. springing up, springing up, moving around, quick movements. Um, in your hard shoe, you know, your focus is your rhythm. Um, you're also, though, flying around the floor. It's where, you know, one of the things that people are striving to do, especially in the competitive scene, is to almost make it look more like soft shoe dancing, that you're mm -hmm. flying around the floor. It looks very graceful, but while you're still being very powerful, have that really nice, clear rhythm. Um, but it's a similar style, but then you just have that rhythmic component for the hard shoe. Gotcha. And do the hard shoes have um, any kind of like friction coefficient? Because fiberglass seems to me like I might be slip sliding all over the place. It, it sure is. Um, and so that can be an issue when, you know, when dancers show up to perform at different shows, you know, and there's tile or there is even a hardwood floor is is a scary thing for an Irish dancer to see. Marley is our safest surface that we dance on. Mm -hmm. um, and so you'll see a lot of different techniques to try to make it anti-slip, but there's nothing that's built into the shoe. So it's almost like a, um, almost like a, a softer boot with the toe and heel then placed on it. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, and something else I, I wanted to bring up too in this, um, podcast was you had mentioned to me when we were on the phone a few weeks ago um, that the structure of Irish dancing classes, or I should say Kaylee's, mm -hmm. right, are mm -hmm. different um, than what we think of in a ballet class where we start with plies and then tendus and we kind of work our way up technically to a more dancey portion and then learning perhaps choreography if we're thinking about recreational dance, for example. Can you talk to us about how that's different in Irish dancing? Absolutely. So with Irish dancing, it started... Two from a, it's a traditional art form passed down through the generations. So mm -hmm. a lot of what we see in dance classes is what we learned from our dance teachers. Mm -hmm. um, and so typically in a dance class, what you're going to see is you're breaking down the material. So you're, you know, all of your different steps that you will see for your hard shoe and your soft shoe, and you'll gradually add on more and more. So you always start with the jig. And so all the dancers will come in, you'll learn their jig, and then you're breaking it down. In some classes, you might have a drill section at the beginning where you're, you know, you're getting warmed up and going through some basics. But other than that, it's a very highly athletic um, dance class where you are running repetitions, you are breaking down technique. Um, and so there's a lot of there's a lot of heavy pounding that goes into a regular dance class for dancers. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when you're starting out, you're going once a week. But as you get into the competitive scene or you get more interested, you could be going five, six days a week, um, which could be pretty intense then for for the dancers. Absolutely. Um, so let's talk a little bit about what types of muscular and strength imbalances you tend to see with Irish dancers. Um, so one of the things that I noticed right away when I was teaching dancing was I can remember the moment that I was in class and 
starting to see some of these imbalances in the dancers because of the repetitive movement in Irish dancing. Um, one of the main ones that we'll see is I start, well, I started noticing, you know, kids with really tight hip flexors, kids that were having, you know, these super um, arched low backs. And I was like, what is going on here? And looking into it. So an anterior pelvic tilt, when we've got our hips kind of falling forward, is very common for Irish dancers since we are always kicking forward, never kicking back. So we end up having really weak, really weak glutes, weak hamstrings, that tight hip flexor component, weak lower core. Um, and it's just from the nature of the dancing, that that is what we are building up as we're kicking forward, but it also then has a very negative effect on a dancer's performance or into the injuries. Um, so we see a lot of imbalances there. One of the other things I'm starting to notice from this side of things now is um, an imbalance in our two feet. So from our right foot to our left foot and looking at how um, the patterns that we perform in Irish dancing, which a lot of times is a right foot dominant, meaning mm -hmm. our weight is all bare, is all bearing on our left foot and our right foot is the one doing the heavy technical aspects. Um, and so I'm starting to see a few imbalances there with some of the older dancers from the right to the left foot. Interesting. So um, I'm like kind of thinking back to my choreography days and, and, you know, there are choreographers I work with who just enjoyed using their right side. Mm -hmm, Do you think mm -hmm. that that's like more of a, um, a choreographer specific thing or is that just like an element of the technique that you're seeing? I think this, this is a... Um, very common Irish dancing thing. Whenever we do a step, we predominantly, well, we always start on the right foot. Mm -hmm. And so whenever you see an Irish dancer start in the competitive aspect for performances, it's a whole different ballgame. But for the competitive component, you always start with your right foot and usually it's balanced. You would do your right foot, you would do your left foot. Um, but a lot of times it's much easier to mm -hmm. be dancing with your right foot. It tends to be your stronger foot. If you ask, you know, dancers like, oh, can you do that challenging element on your left foot? They'll all kind of cringe and go like, oh, it's just not as strong. Um, and so I think it's just something that we've fallen into um, and a habit, you know, that we like to write with our right hand and that is easier. And, and so it just is, takes practice to kind of keep that balance. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So then as a coach, um, what do you prioritize with your dancers? Mm -hmm. So the number one thing for me is always reducing the risk of injury and mm -hmm. looking at how they're getting injured and how I can make an impact through, you know, the one time a week when I see them for an hour um, and how I can really make an impact for that because if they're injured, they're not dancing. Um, so that's my number one. The, the number two thing, which I think is a little bit different in other dance communities, um, but is body awareness and the application of that body awareness to their dancing. For Irish dancing, we're learning the steps and, it's, and it um, can seem very end result that, you know, I want your leg to get up there, you know, and we don't really think about how it's getting up there. Mm -hmm. Or I want you to keep your arms in and your back straight, but we're not really thinking about how we're keeping our arms in and our back straight. And so really creating an awareness for the dancers on what their body is doing and how we can manipulate it with different strength and mobility exercises um, to achieve those goals that they want to reach is something that has been really profound for me. So aside from, you know, the, the strength and conditioning that we do, mm -hmm. it's making the dancers aware and them having those aha moments that they're going, oh, that makes so much sense. Now I can keep my arms in or, oh, okay, now I understand how to turn out my feet. Um, so those are really the two big things that, that I prioritize for the dancers. 
So I, just so that I understand, so body awareness and and, mm-hmm. and getting them to move in different ways, you're, mm-hmm. you're kind of training, from what I'm hearing, like movement efficiency and neuromuscular mm-hmm. control, that kind of thing? Yep, yep. Okay, excellent. Um, and so how do the things you prioritize in your training help prevent these injuries, do you think? Right, so a lot of the injuries that we see in Irish dancing, the top two, I would say, and there's some research out there um, with this is that we see those lateral ankle sprains and mm-hmm. we see a lot of stress fractures to their feet. Um, and so a lot of the things that I'll try to do is is really build up their strength in their core, build up the strength in their in their hips and their glutes where we tend to be pretty weak for Irish dancers um, and making them really aware of their alignment. And a lot of times we'll see their, you know, their feet are super pronated, their knees are not in line. And so then we see a lot of issues with that and just making them aware of, you know, we want to keep this all in a line together. And, you know, especially when you're dancing, it's a little bit harder when they're dancing, but especially, you know, when we're training, it's in a more controlled environment and we can do that and making them aware of how it affects their body, mm-hmm. then it's way more successful for their dancing and their training. Absolutely. You, you mentioned um, getting, having the dancers be aware of their technique. Mm-hmm. I can think of a few articles I've read recently just talking about technique being the foundational um, mm-hmm. kind of element to dancing. And if you have good technique, um, your, your risk for injury is definitely decreased. Right. Yeah. So... Um, are there principles of cross-training that you try to get your dancers to kind of carry over into class at all? Yeah, so both, um, there's there's different things that I'll focus on that I'm like, okay, try this in class, and especially at a competition. Their mm-hmm. class environment is pretty controlled by their dancers, and so there's a little that we can do there with increasing their awareness of their warm-up and mm-hmm. what we want them to do to you know, prepare their joints to work on their mobility before they step into class. So regardless of what their dance teacher is going to do with them, they know that their body is prepared. So having their warm up ready is really important to me. And especially for um, their competitions, because on their competitions, you know, their dance teacher is most likely there, but also dealing with a ton of other dancers who are Mm -hmm. all dancing at different times. And um, and so really taking the ownership of their own warm up and their own cool down afterwards to really protect their body and knowing exactly what to do and having that repetition. And um, we do that in class so that it is they know exactly what to do. And, mm-hmm. you know, taking out the mental component of I don't want there to be any questions on the day of a competition. They know exactly what to do, have trained their body to warm up and know when it's prepared. Nice. Um have you at all had any kind of conversations with their Irish dancing teachers about perhaps good practices for class? There is, and it's, um, you know, as, as the, the strength and conditioning component is becoming um, more widely known in the Irish dance community, mm-hmm. it's become a conversation that's a little bit easier to have. I think at first, you know, we were just doing our dances in our dance class and that right. was it. But as the, as the form has changed, um, you know, and we've realized that it's really important to have this component for the dancers. The dance teachers are way more involved in in what is going into their dancers' training outside of their technique class with their with their dance teacher. Um, and so you'll see a lot of dance teachers asking, you know, we're working on this specific technique. What could we be doing in class 
to help improve that. Or, you know, we're noticing this with our dancers. They'll see trends in their classrooms. And mm -hmm. what could we be doing? You know, what's an effective warm-up for them? What should we be doing after class? What should, you know, how should we be running their endurance training during class to optimize our time? Um, and so I'm, I'm starting to have a little more of those conversations with the dance teachers as they recognize and can see the changes in the dancers who are, who are implementing it into their, into their training. Nice. Um, and do you think it, it helps to have had such an extensive Irish dancing background? Absolutely. That is one of the um, things that I'm, I, I didn't realize it as I was going through my life, obviously. But now in retrospect, I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is all connected. And that I was so fortunate that during my dance career, my dance teacher, Mary McGang, had us working with Pilates instructors and strength and conditioning coaches. And she was like, I know this will help your dancing. And we all knew that. And it was, you know, we could feel the difference. I remember the moment I could feel the difference of like, whoa, I can jump with power and strength and mm -hmm. control. And I, and I know what that feels like. And then to have the Irish dance background um, and be training Irish dancers, the one thing that's so unique to all dance forms is it's Irish dancers have their own language. And so it's, it's a little confusing if they don't know exactly, again, how it's applied. And right. so for me to have that background of, I have been an Irish dancer. I've been in your shoes. I've also been an Irish dance teacher. And we can, you know, take those experiences that I've had and be able to apply them to this next generation of dancers. Oh, certainly. That makes it a lot more seamless. And I'm, I bet trust mm -hmm. is established a lot faster. Absolutely. Nice. Um, so you mentioned that you're training quite a few dancers um, mm -hmm. and that you're tracking uh, some of their progress. Um, what kind of outcomes are you tracking and what are you seeing? Yeah, so I run a three times a year, I run a 10-week program. Mm -hmm. And I started tracking, you know, their hamstring flexibility, their vertical jump, um, their endurance, their ankle mobility, different. Um, I, I started tracking different things purely for my own knowledge to, mm -hmm. to be at the beginning, just see like, is this effective? Is what we're training producing the results that I want these dancers to have. And so I started looking at them and then I started seeing, you know, as I'm looking through the data, other information pop up, one of which I referred to earlier, which were the imbalances in their feet. And what I'm starting to see and notice is that um, we're a little, a little more balanced when the dancers are younger. So between our right and our left foot, mm -hmm. if not a little bit stronger in our right foot, which is predominantly their, their strong side, you know, and their, um, the side that they tend to write with and, you know, it's just their stronger side. But as we get older in Irish dancing, um, and if we start getting into those habits of the right side being the side that we're more technical at, so mm -hmm. the right foot's in front, non-weight bearing, um, that the left leg is actually becoming the stronger one. So when I was just going through some final assessments for dancers and the difference in their vertical jump from left to right foot um, is pretty significant once they kind of reach that 10 and older age. Um, and, you know, and it's, again, if you ask them, which side leap or bird would you like to do, you know, these jumping elements, um, they're all going to say they're the right side, which means the right leg's up, but it's actually the left foot doing all the work. Mm -hmm. um, and so as I'm noticing those, I'm like, oh, okay, we need to start implementing <laughs> some things to balance that out um, and, and make sure that those dancers, you know, can be safely jumping and landing off of both of those feet. Um, out of curiosity, what uh, kind of tests are you using to measure like the strength of the foot? 
feet. So all we're doing right now is just doing their simple vertical jump. Nothing mm -hmm. specifically to their feet or their landing, like okay. with the force. None of that yet, just strictly how high they're jumping. Okay. All right. So, so it's almost like the whole leg. Yep. yep. Great. Great. Um, and you mentioned to me in the past that Irish dancing has changed over time. And in particular, it's come more athletic. Can you talk to us a little bit more about that? Yeah, so Irish dancing is a traditional art form that started as, you know, a social um, a social dance that people would come from different towns, come together and do these social dances together or what are called Kayleys. Um, and from there, you know, then it would change and you would have solo dancing and it would progress. There was always a competitive or you know, in the in the recent history, there's always been this also a competitive component. And with that you know, there's always this one-upmanship and trying to, oh, that person, you know, could leap high. I want to leap higher. Oh, look at their turnout. You know, that turnout is beautiful. I want to turn out more. Mm -hmm. um, so even since the time I started, which again was like 30 years ago, but it's changed so much in what these dancers are doing and, um, you know, what we're asking their bodies to do. So it's become far more athletic that, you know, what they're, how high they're jumping, how quickly they're moving across the stage, um, how, how many rotations and spins they can get in their dances. That just didn't exist when I was dancing as mm -hmm. much. And even, you know, when they're doing some, some movements now, I'm like, oh, I don't know that I could do that. Um, and so the demand on their bodies is so great now compared to what it was 30 years ago, what it was even 15 years ago, and trying to fit in more rhythm, trying to fit in, you know, more rotations of the ankle, more twists, more, more movements. Um, and so you just really see that development and change in the dance form. You know, it's um, not uncommon, I think, to what's happening in your kind of jazz competition, like Dance mm -hmm. Moms competition mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And one kind of gripe I've heard is that these dancers are expected to do these tricks before they're technically ready or strong enough. Um, mm -hmm. Do you kind of run into the same problem in Irish dancing as well? Absolutely. And and I know that the, the governing bodies in Irish dancing are also aware of this and, and trying to take steps forward um, to try to prevent some of this. There is you know, we can walk on our toes in the hard shoes. So kind of like you would in a point shoe. Um, and there are age limitations to that. So you That's have good. to be I'm not sure of exactly what it is, but there is an age limitation to that. So you cannot at any competition go up on your toes until that age. Um, but then there are all of these tricks that, you know, you're, you feel so much pressure as a dance teacher and as a choreographer to be able to produce, you know, your dancers doing all these movements. Right. And so it's a lot of trial and error for that. And, a, and it's just a lot of pressure to perform at their best to be mm -hmm. doing the most cutting edge technique and most cutting edge material. Um, and so you do see a lot of that, that a lot of, you know, young dancers are doing some really hard and challenging material. Yeah. And I'm sure the kids are pushing for it too, because flashy oh. is pretty cool. <laughs> oh yeah. I can remember that as a kid too, going like, I don't want to work on that step. I want right. to, I want to do this that I saw some other kids do. It's totally, it's totally that. Oh, absolutely. And I think too, um, that working on technique sometimes is like just relatively unsexy mm -hmm, <laughs> and mm -hmm. sometimes it's sometimes hard to see the end. Oh, absolutely. And especially when, you know, I can remember in my early teaching years of, of trying to drill that technique into their basic steps and they just are, you know, but we want to learn the hard shoe and, you know, cause you start with yourself. We want to learn the harder things. And mm -hmm. so it's a very hard balance 
for everybody involved and to keep everybody energized. Um, so have you found that you've had to maybe augment your training a little bit to help the dancers with more kind of athletic feats that they're asking, uh, that they're being asked to perform? Yeah. So I, um, I think that my teaching style too is that I want everybody incredibly engaged. Um, and so a lot of quick changes, a lot of, um, a lot of different games kind of that I play from a teaching standpoint to make sure that the dancers are engaged, to make sure that they're aware of what they're using when we are training. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it also, I want it to mirror some of what they're doing in their dance class. So that highly athletic component, however, I want to slow things down. And so I want to make sure that they are actually training the specific muscles that they need for Irish dancing appropriately instead of the fast paced environment that we see when they're dancing. And so I really take a lot of time, especially at the beginning and the end, to slow things down, make sure that we've got that proper form, make sure that they're aware of what's going on in their bodies. And then we kind of take it up to that more athletic, higher speed in the middle of class. Yeah, that is that's a hard feat. (laughs) <laughs> mm-hmm. I think challenging. And I think it's, it's a, it's a, um, I think it's something with an Irish dancer's personality too, mm-hmm. that, you know, you're used to that in dance class. It would be totally different than a ballet class. And, and so it's just a very different, um, environment to be in. Yeah, absolutely. Um, do you find that your dancers are typically receptive to the type of training you do, or are you met with any resistance? Absolutely. So the dancers, it's, it's so fun to be in class because, you know, I'll, I'll talk about an exercise and I'll, we'll talk about why it's effective for their dancing, what muscles we're using. And then you can see them go, oh, okay. <laughs> like, I get it. That's mm-hmm. what I should be doing. And so the dancers just want to soak it all up. They are, you know, so involved in what's going on. So many great questions. Um, and that's really the most joyous part of what I do is seeing the, those aha moments. And, and I knew, like, I know by what I'm doing, you're going to get stronger. I know you're going to be able to jump higher. I know mm-hmm. you're, you know, these different elements are going to improve, but to see their confidence improve because they are stronger and they have tools to be able to work on this technique is really, um, really an empowering thing for a teacher and to see your dancers be empowered with it. Absolutely. Um, I remember the first time I finally had all of my, you know, many hard Pilates sessions pay off in dance class and I yeah, was yeah. elated. <laughs> yes. Felt pretty yeah. invincible. Yes. Um, and to have them come back and just say, my dance teacher complimented me on my posture or, yes. you know, whatever it is. Like, it's working. Like, yeah. Yeah, it is. Yes. <laughs> it takes time, <laughs> but it's working. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so before we sign off, I was wondering, I, you know, have only ever seen River Dance. Who would uh-huh. you suggest that we go and YouTube after we finish listening to this episode. Oh my gosh. Um, you know, there is, there is so much fun Irish dancing to be watching on all sorts of social media. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would challenge people to kind of go look in a d- couple different directions. One, check out, check out your dance shows, your, your river dance, your Lord of the dance, check out some of your progressive Irish dance companies like the Trinity Irish dance company, um, who is doing some really groundbreaking work and then check out the competitive component of it. Now, an interesting thing with Irish dancing is that um, videography is not allowed at competitions, mm-hmm. um, but there are videos of the parade of champions. So you're, you know, the champions for whatever competition it is, they'll come out and dance a step. And that is what you're gonna see in a lot of your dance classes. Now, any of the parade of champions are gonna be obviously these world champions, national champions, regional champions. 
they are incredibly skilled dancers. But that is really what the predominant population of Irish dance is doing. So I would go search, you know, world championships of Irish dance, um, parade of champions, and you will be blown away by the skill of these, of these athletes. Awesome. I'm looking forward to that for sure. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. You'll fall down like a whole rabbit hole of, Oh my gosh. And look at this one. And, and watching just the technique and the, um, you know, the landing mechanisms too, that we expect them to land with these straight legs. You'll go, you'll be cringing probably a lot of the time and praying for them. (laughs) You know, that's come up in conversation since I first spoke to you. Um, Is it, uh, do, do Irish dancers always land with a straight leg? Yeah, it's, so that is the ideal um, Mm -hmm. is that they would have these nice long lines at all times um, and no dropping heel, no bending knee. Um, and so trying to figure out their landing mechanisms mm-hmm. is a struggle. Yes. And that's also where we get a lot of the injuries because we're trying to keep that leg strong and straight. Um, but that's also not the best thing for their bodies. No, absolutely not. I mean, as yeah. is inherent with any dance form, there is yeah. some risk, <laughs> Yeah, some yeah. larger than others, but yeah. yeah. Um, well, Ellen, thank you so much. This was very informative. Um, before we sign off, is there anything else that you would like to tell our listeners about Irish dancing? Yeah, just thank you so much for having me. And I encourage everybody to familiarize yourself with Irish dancing. And if um, anybody ever has any questions too, or or if you're treating Irish dancers, you know, feel free to reach out to me and um, I would love to have conversations about it. I love talking about Irish dancing and what we can do to you know, keep the, keep the art form moving forward in a, in a safe and healthy way for the dancers. Excellent. And where can you be reached? Yeah. So you can find me, um, our website is targettrainingdance.com or on Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, all the social media is at Target Training Dance. Excellent. Well, thank you again so much for sharing your wisdom and, um, I'm glad we had you here. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. All right. Bye. Bye. On behalf of Ellie and myself, I, Marissa Schaefer, want to say thank you to all of our listeners for joining us on this episode of DanceWell Podcast. Like what you hear? Go to Stitcher, iTunes, or SoundCloud and search DanceWell Podcast and subscribe. You can also view all of our episodes and learn more about this podcast by visiting our website at www.dancewellpodcast.com. We wouldn't be where we are without generous contributions from our listeners. Your contributions help pay for our SoundCloud membership, website fees, upgrades, and our recording technology. If you too would like to make a contribution to DanceWell, please follow the link in the description of this podcast to visit our GoFundMe page. We thank you in advance for your support. And lastly, if you have questions or want to get in touch, email us at dancewellpodcast at gmail.com. Bye.